Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of R&D with KD. I am your host, Khalil Dillard. I'm a former athlete, small business owner, and serial entrepreneur. The goal of the podcast is to inform and inspire entrepreneurs who are looking to get started but don't know how. Each week, I am going to highlight ordinary people in our communities who do extraordinary things. Today, I'm joined by Darren Wade. Darren is an amazing husband, father, real estate broker, investor, Airbnb host, and new millionaire as well. So very exciting stuff that we got for you guys on today's podcast. Uh, Our topic today focuses on growth, overcoming adversity and challenges, and networking, of course, as well. So before we jump in, a little bit about Darren. Uh, Darren has had a huge impact on my uh, development and role as an entrepreneur. I'm very fortunate to have him here for the first episode uh, because he's definitely been instrumental in my growth as an entrepreneur in even more ways than I think he understands. So this is a big moment for me. I hope it is for him, but I'm ready for him to, to give our community the same value that he's been giving me the last three, four years. So uh, before we jump in, Darren is a rock star in our community. He's a one of the top brokers in Fresno, Clovis, very big on social media and lends his time and resources out to other people frequently. So uh, Darren, thanks for, thanks for being here. Man, all, man, I'm honored. I'm honored, man. I'm honored that you have me here. And the first podcast, that's huge, man. Yeah, Props yeah. to you for getting started on this. I remember when you shared this idea with me some months ago. And How long ago that. was it that I shared uh, this idea uh, with Maybe you. four or five months ago or something, at least when you told me about it. Um, so I'm not sure how long you've been working on it, but man, yeah, I'm happy yeah. to be here. So, no, uh, I've been working on this now for, been talking about it for a while, Having done it, well, now we're here. So just excited for the growth that I've experienced in my life. Uh, Numerous people really pushing me to go forward and continue to go, given the network that we have in our community here in Fresno. So I really wanted to highlight some of the people who have played a good role in my journey as an entrepreneur, and you are definitely one of those people. So uh, before we get started or just hopping into it, can you can you tell the audience a little bit about uh, you know your background growing up? Where did you, where did you grow up, uh, and how was that experience for you? How has that experience growing up you know shaped who you are now? Yeah, so I was born in the Bay Area, and I say that um, proudly because um, I, don't, I feel like I have Bay Area in me, right? Like the whole hyphy movement, like you know, I yeah, that's inside of me. Uh, so I was born in the Bay Area, lived there for a few years, then we moved to Reno, California. Um, for about three years. And then when, when I was six years old, we moved to Fresno. Um, we lived on the west side of Fresno. And I got to say that as well, because I'm proud of the west side. <clears throat> and so I lived out there for uh, about three or four years, you know, did a lot of different things out there, hung out with a lot of different people out there. Um, um, and this is part of my story. Uh, you know, some of my friends that I hung up with or grew up with there, you know, are either locked up or dead or, you know, on the bad side of the coin. Um, so I was happy and fortunate to be where I am at now. Um, but things like that have driven me to be who I am today. Um, so some years on the west side, Fresno, grandmother still has a couple homes over there, still have family over there. Um, and then we moved to the east side of Fresno, which was just probably a, a level up from that. Um, people still give a bad rap about the east side of Fresno and the same side area and things like that. But, um, but I'm happy and fortunate I grew up over there as well. Um, had a lot of friends growing up, you know, riding bikes, shooting hoops, skateboarding, uh, reselling golf balls to uh, to the golfers uh, at the Village Green Apartments there. Um, yeah, so I spent most of my life on the east side of Fresno. 
And then after high school, um, graduated in 2002 from Sunnyside High School, first graduating class, proud of that. Uh, went to Fresno State for a year and a half. When I was in Fresno State or at Fresno State, I read um, the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that really just really clicked with me and really changed my whole mindset on how I seen the entire world. I started to see school as a business mm-hmm. and not necessarily as a tool to get me to a better career, right? First of all, I only went to college because that was what everybody said you yeah. should do after you come from, you know, get out of high school. And so I did that. Um, but when I, once I read that book, I was like, man, what I want to do in life isn't related to what I'm going to school mm-hmm. for. And um, and even before then, I was, I've always been, or since, I don't know, maybe my teenage years, I've been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I sell fake Jacob watches that you can buy, you know, with big old, uh-huh. big old um, uh, bezels. Um, uh, like glasses, sunglasses, Ray-Ban glasses and things like that. Things that I can get from the L.A. alley and then bring it out here and sell it for, you know, just a little margin, a little profit. Um, I used to sell Gucci material that I bought from China. I used to buy Gucci, Louis, Bally's, Fendi uh, material in bulk. And then I used to cut it up and put it on shoes like Air Force uh-huh. Ones when that was popular. Put it on hats. I used to put it on jerseys. Was there an e-commerce store back then that you sell on? There no? wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't. It was all word of mouth. It was uh-huh. all, you know, relationship based. And um, and yeah, and, and it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, and I was and I'm a creative person. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed doing that and had a lot of fun doing that and pimping out because that was during the, the big timers era yeah. and um, bling bling Fat and all this stuff. Baby fat. Yeah, all that, all that <laughs> stuff. All that stuff. Yeah, but I think I did some um, some. Gucci material or something mm-hmm. on some Fat Farm shoes. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So, yep. Tell us a little bit about your introduction to entrepreneurialism or real estate. Uh, How did you get started with real estate and uh, what has that journey been like for you? Because I know a lot of people when they are beginning their entrepreneurial journey, it's real estate, you know, oh, I'm going to go sell real estate. What yeah. was your moment where you're like, okay, I'm just going to go all in on real estate? Yeah, it wasn't until 2012. Um, actually, maybe 2010. Actually, no, let me take that back. I go back. So when I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, I have um, an auntie and an uncle that was or are investors, real estate investors. Um, and I remember, and I forgot what it was. Maybe it was the book Rich Dad Poor Dad that clicked something. And then I found out that they own rental properties. They're from the Bay Area. They had just moved out here to Fresno. Excuse me. And um, and um, and I, I read the book and then I wanted to kind of learn from them, right? Be the boots on the ground. And so I went around to some of their properties. You know, I kind of seen how they were living lifestyle wise. I seen the house that they had um, north of Herndon, right off of Venice uh, Lakes area. And I was like, and it just, I was like, man, like this is possible, right? And, um, and at that time, I was into, and this is like early 2000s, I was getting into more personal development stuff. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Tony Robbins really heavy. Um, and um, a couple of other people. And being around them was my first um, live interaction with a real estate investor. And so I did a little bit of a few things at that time. I did some door knocking, I mailed out a few mailers, right? Just taking action, didn't know what I was doing. I never followed up with those people. I never got anything from that, but I did take the action. And then I moved away to Southern California, 2004, 2008, and then I came back because I have Crohn's disease. So I came here only because I needed to recover, um, um, recover um, health-wise. But so 2008 to 2012 is when I was like, man, I'm, I'm healthier now. 
I would like to go back to LA because I, I loved LA and Southern California and everything out there. I just enjoy the the vibe out there. I LA enjoy, LA. yeah, just everybody, or it seems like a lot of people are doing, you know, big things, bigger than, than Fresno is or was mm-hmm. doing. And that really opened up my mind. That really shaped me a lot as a, as a human being, as an entrepreneur as well. Um, and so moving forward in the story, 2010 or 11, I was like, okay, um, at that time I had met my now wife, uh-huh. Cam, uh, and that was in 2009, and I was working at a bank. I was working at Wells Fargo at that time because I needed benefits, to, you know, in yep. case I messed up again. And I was like, man, okay, things are going good with this girl. I really want to move back, but, you know, things are going good. So is she going to come with me or not? She didn't want to come with me because she has family mm-hmm. here, and I have family here as well. And so I was like, okay, well, what can I do here locally that I can uh, make an impact that I can um, have a lifestyle that I'm looking mm-hmm. for. I can still be an entrepreneur. I can use my people skills and um, and flourish, right? And so I was like, well, how about doing real estate on the retail side of things? I really want to be an investor, but I was like, how about I backdoor it, be a retail agent, you know, learn how to, you know, I didn't know this at the time, learn how to run comps, learn how to get in front of people um, that may want to sell a home, whether an ugly home or a pretty home, help enough people. This is what I told myself. I said, I'm going to help enough people get what they want until I can finally have the opportunity to get what I want. Right. And so that's what I did. So I was on the retail side of the thing. I got my real estate license in 2012. And then it wasn't until 2015 when we bought our first personal residence. And in 2016, we bought our very first investment property. And I bought that first investment property from my auntie. And she did uh, seller financing for me uh, for about eight months until I had the opportunity to refinance it. Was this the same uh, aunt that you shadowed in the previously? Uh, no, no, okay. no, no. It's uh, like my great aunt, actually. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. Yep, yeah, yep. Where and was that still, home at? Uh, on the west side. Okay. On the west side, yep. Where do you primarily invest at here in Fresno? Um, well, mostly, so it needs to make sense. So mm-hmm. numbers-wise, since wise it's in the lower lower to middle income areas um, like 93702 93706 mm-hmm. which is the west side um, we own our personal residence in 937 or we own our personal residence in 93711 now north fresno mm-hmm. um, but the same side home um, is in 93727 um, then we own a couple of homes two homes in 93726 which is central fresno mm-hmm. we just bought something um, in fowler and actually, we're in escrow now for another property in Fowler, um, buying that from a cousin as well. Um, so, yeah, so that's where the majority of our homes are. Actually, we own something near um, Fresno Community Hospital as well, uh, commercial building and two single-family residences. Nice. So, so how has being from this area impacted uh, some of your decision-making when investing? Because I know me also being a real estate agent, I always try to Think of ways that I can connect with my hometown and see how can I improve the quality of life of those in my area where I'm from. So being in real estate, I thought to myself, like, this would be a good opportunity for me to make some money and then later on have the opportunity to change where I'm from. Uh, It sounds like you're doing a little bit of that now. But what's your decision making like when when buying houses in the community you're from? Like, do you think about the people, how that's going to impact the people in that area? 
the like the service you provide you know do you find value and quality out of the service you provide for those in the, the, the community yeah yeah i do i do um because uh, in the areas that i mentioned um usually i mean more rundown homes than than you'll find on the the nicer side of town right and so i know every time we have the opportunity to help a seller solve a problem right because that's what we mm-hmm. do whether on the retail side or on the investment side we're problem solvers uh, whenever we have the opportunity to solve a problem we know that it's going to do more not only just for the family or the person selling the home but also for the community mm-hmm. for that neighborhood right we're going to beautify the home we're going to update it and make it look better right so so that way, it, hopefully it inspires the neighbor to do their yard, mm-hmm. the neighbor to take the cars off the front yard, the neighbor to change their roof, the neighbor to paint their house, right? Um, and just give give the neighborhood more uh, pride of ownership um, for living there. Um, so yeah, it definitely helps out. It definitely helps out. And it, um, being a, a real estate investor is a, is, a, is a huge role in revitalizing a lot of different neighborhoods and taking the ugliest homes off the block, the hoarder homes mm-hmm. off the block, the crackhead homes off the block, and changing them to something good, putting a good family in there that will put their roots there mm-hmm. and, um, and, and you know have kids outside playing and having fun and having a good time and bring the neighborhood back up to where it was um, back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you make the transition in your real estate career from uh, real estate agent to investor? And, and how does that kind of guide your career today? You know, I know you still sell uh, sell and list homes, mm-hmm. but do you always have on your, your agent hat or your investor hat? And then how do you switch between the two? Yeah, good question. So when I am... So when I'm talking to a homeowner that wants to sell a home or receive a lead or whatever it is, um, I usually ask about the condition. I always ask about the condition, right? Because I want to know what kind of appointment it is. I want to know what their motivation is. I want to know what their time frame is. I want to know if they already have a, a number in mind that would help them solve their problems. Um, and so when I go to the appointment, then I can see the home. And so I go in there, if they call me as a real estate agent, then I go in there with my real estate agent hat on first, right? And I go in there and I tell them everything that they can do to get top dollar for the home on the retail market, right? I tell them, you know, you, the, the, the roof will be a problem. Hey, this hole in the wall will be a problem. You need to double strap that water heater. You know, you need to fill that pool because uh, that's a safety hazard. You know, there's a, there's a, 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 a rock in the window you need to you know fix that because that's a safety hazard right and so I'll, I'll point out everything that they can do um, to make the home HGT ready or at least retail ready mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is because the majority of buyers in certain price points um, use FHA financing right because three and a half percent down it's usually the easiest one to qualify for and with that loan come certain um, requirements for the condition of the home, right? And so if those homeowners that I'm talking to have the means, the resources, the cash mm-hmm. to bring the home up to standards to at least meet the minimum requirements, then great. We'll put it on the open market, right? But if it is a borderline home or a home that definitely needs an investor because it's going to be a cash only um, type of deal, then I'll tell them, hey, this is everything that you should do to your home to make it look its best to help you achieve your goals, right? And if you can't do that, I'm gonna switch hats now. And I, sometimes I literally do this. I'm gonna switch hats, I'm gonna be a real estate investor, right? I buy homes like this, you know, several times throughout the year. And I'd be happy to also make you an offer on the home as a real estate investor. If that number works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you and you have the means and ability to uh, renovate the home, uh, you know, or not necessarily renovate it, but you know, do the things that I pointed out, then great. 
I'll be happy being a real estate agent and listing your home on the market so that way you can get the most amount of um, um, offers and cash possible, mm. right? And so that's how I um, go back and forth between those two. And I, I will pretty often give a retail value, an estimated retail mm. value, and my um, investor's value as me buying it mm. with hard money, cash, or private money. Awesome. Uh, that's yeah. great info. So if you're a new real estate agent, I definitely recommend listening to this episode. Yeah. But uh, let's move forward a little bit and talk about, uh, you had mentioned you're a new millionaire. When I heard that, I, I just, the smile you see on my face right now just lit up for Darren. Because I know how hard him and Cam work and the value that they bring to other people. So just to see good people be blessed and rewarded, like, as it awesome exciting for me to just know you know a man like you and uh that's been an awesome experience for me so far but tell us um has there been any did you always picture your life being like this let's start off like that did you did you vision this no i didn't i didn't at all um growing up as a middle class kid um i did not know you know what it was like to to be on i guess on this side or Mm -hmm. to be at this level um i didn't um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I grew, I grew up poor middle class, mm-hmm. right? Poor middle class my whole life. And it wasn't until, um, I think when I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then when I moved to Southern California shortly after that, my eyes opened up to what is possible mm-hmm. in the world. And that really just, it, it, it just like filled something inside of me. That's when I started reading more, like mm-hmm. I said, doing a lot more personal development stuff. And that's when I realized, man, you can be just, you can be anything that you want to be in life if you just, you figure it out, right? Read it, learn it, watch it, whatever it is, and then take the action to do it, and then you can be whatever Absolutely. it is that you want to be. So no, I wasn't always like this, and um, I'm happy and grateful that I, I found this path, and I'm gonna have the motivation and drive and inspiration to um, to, tr- to achieve. Is there is there a goal that either yourself, your family, or your real estate team has accomplished within the the past few years that you're really proud of or attribute to a lot of your success? Um. Or is there a defining moment that, you know, you can really look back on and say, like, wow, if it wasn't for this challenge or adversity or or this deal, you know, my life could be different or and so forth. Yeah. um, Man, let me think. Trying to think that's of a good, what that's a good question. Yeah, huh? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm unpacking it in my head. Sometimes it takes me a moment to to think about it. Um, Mm. Um, a defining moment. Well, I would say, I don't know, maybe just the first thing that came to mind was um, like realizing that we were um, net millionaires or net worth millionaires was um, was pretty cool to see on paper. Um, Where do you go from there? Yeah, well, I mean, you just keep growing. And, and it's not necessarily a number. So one thing that I used to want to do is have $10,000 a month in passive mm-hmm. cash flow, right? So that was a goal of mine since 2000 and I wanna say maybe 17 or 18. Right? I was like, okay, in two years, you know, I wanna have $10,000 in positive cash flow. And so we exceeded that. Um, and um, and so that was a goal that we've you know went through already. Um, now we want to get to like a hundred thousand dollars a month in passive income, right? And so that's another thing. And I mean the numbers are just the numbers, right? We don't a hundred thousand dollars is more than enough of what we can what we can use, you know, or spend every month. Um, but it's just to me, life is a game. 
you know, a, a sensitive game, but it is a game, right? And we love the sport. We love playing sports. We love watching sports. We love the life of sports, sport of life, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to continue to achieve and work and do what we want to do for our own personal um, um Gain right. We want to just break through our own barriers, our own ceilings, and things like that to see how far we can go, to see how big we can get, to see how much cash flow we can have, to see how many properties we can own, to see the amount of impact we can make, and just keep making it bigger and bigger, right? Because we're we're achievers, we're high, we're drivers, we're D high Ds on this profile, and we just want to do more and more um, for others. And we we're big philanthropists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as once I figured out what the word was, and I heard like probably Bill Gates or something and how they donated millions of dollars to a certain, you know, research or cancer fund or something like that. I was like, man, I want to do that. Like I want to be super wealthy, super rich and wealthy. And then I want to give back tons and tons of money to um, things that will change generations, right? Build schools overseas in other countries and things like that, or even here, you know, in my own hometown. Um, so I, we want to do things like that. Having the opportunity to give back, uh, what does that feel like for for you now, just being able to give back? Because I know a lot of times people may not necessarily be in the position to give, but they're givers, mm-hmm. but it may not be their time to give. Uh, you know, when did you know that you could give and then how has giving affected your decision-making and life and business yeah um so i think when we first started giving so i, I the i don't so the, well the first thing that came to my mind was right now we give to um clovis community hospital the NICU department so our son dj was born eight weeks early and he was five pounds super small for for us um as new parents and it was a emergency situation so he was very frightened by it and um so we're very grateful that he's here living with us now um but the NICU nurses took good care of him for 21 days before he can even come home and again as new parents mm-hmm. we were freaked out and we got to know the NICU nurses and we just believe them to be angels and how they fix the complications and problems that he was having to be able to have enough strength to come home with mm-hmm. us, right? Because before that, we, it took us maybe five years to even get to being pregnant yeah. or getting pregnant. Right. I was shooting blanks <laughs> um, because of my Crohn's situation. And so, um, yes, yeah, so we went to IVF um, three times now and we got three kids out of it. But one time was DJ mm-hmm. first, second time failed and this. The second, the third time we got the twins. Um, so anyways, to your question of giving. So after a year, um, DJ was a year old. We started sending checks to Clovis Community Hospital, specifically to the NICU department. And then they called us one day after so many checks. And they said, hey, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys sending us these checks? And so we explained <laughs> to them the situation or what happened and how we cared, um, how we loved them so much and how we've seen them to be angels for us. And um, and and then so they was like, OK, well, you know, we have a. Um, um, we have a program, right? Because mm-hmm. they're mostly run off of donations. And we didn't, I didn't know that. I thought hospitals had super yeah. money, you know, and I thought they were funded by the government or something like that. Um, anyway, so right now we have a, a pledge for $50,000 in five years. So every year we'll give $10,000 to Clovis Community Hospital to help out um, any future you know, things that they need, right? So we're proud donors of that. And it feels real good That's because... Amazing. Um, during the pandemic, we did more research on it. They gave us some pamphlets on it. And a lot of people that's our color mm-hmm. um, 
are, are the ones that have the premature babies for whatever reason it is, right? And so that made it even more impactful to us um, to donate to them, right? To help those babies, help those families. And then, of course, all the other um, families that go through the situation of having a, a baby that needs to go to the NICU department. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we have a lot of young men who tune in as well. Um, and you mentioned you, how long have you been married for? Uh, I've been married since 2016. So, oh, so coming up on almost 10 years now. Yeah. How yeah. Long? Well, like four, yeah, four more years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. So since we do have a lot of young men on here, what what is your experience dating or being married to another strong woman, another entrepreneur? Like how is how has your experience being married? Like what advice can you give to young men who are who may be dating or courting as an entrepreneur, mm. as a person of color, you know, who's who's out there? What what experience do you have that you can give them to be a better man when, you know, seeking out women? Yeah, man, I love this question because I, I know that I'm here right now because of her, right? And so I would tell all the men out there, all the young men out there, like, don't be dicking around forever, right? Find you a partner or somebody that is um, growth-minded, Right. And hopefully you're growth minded as well, or else you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Find somebody that's growth minded um, that compliments you or challenge, challenges you. Somebody that has goals, somebody that has dreams, somebody that wants to do something in life and not just. And I'm saying this from an example yesterday at a house I was at, um, not just sit in the in the room all day, you know, watching TV or playing video games or, or whatever it is, wasting your life away. Right. Find somebody that's going to match your hustle, your drive, your motivation and um, and wife that girl up, wife her up. Absolutely. Right. Make make big dreams. Get excited about those dreams and those goals. And um, and believe that as a partnership, you guys are stronger together than just one person Absolutely. alone. Um, so yeah, so real quick, so me and Cam are, are different, right? We had different backgrounds, different upbringings, um, and she is a risk taker more than I am. She used to run the family company. Um, I was more of a street entrepreneur. I used to sell weed back in the day as well, legally and illegally, um, because that's what my cousins, you know, my family, um, some of my family did, or my How cousins did. How they do it legally back in the day? Well, no, legally. So I, I, I wanted to be the, the, you know, the straight and narrow. And so we opened up a mobile dispensary uh, for a, a little bit uh-huh. um, when that was, you know, really um, popular mm-hmm. out here. So we, me and my, a friend and my a friend of mine, a friend of mine. Um, and I opened up a dispensary. So we had a mobile dispensary, no storefront mm-hmm. or anything like that. And we went to do it the legal way, right? Um, so, um, but back what I was saying, um, Cam is a risk taker. I'm a little bit more um, reserved. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more calculated. I want to kind of analyze things before I make a decision. So she is very pivotal in pushing me to say, to do things that I may be uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. I remember when we when I bought my first brand new car off the lot, she had already bought two or three with her family um, before um, because of the business that they had before, but she hasn't always been like rich. So mm-hmm. don't take it for that. They had money. They lost everything. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, dirt poor. And then um, that's why she has the drive that she has because she doesn't want to go back to being mm-hmm. dirt poor again. But anyways, I remember the first time I bought a car off the lot and I remember the payment was like 400 bucks or something like that. And I was like, man, that's more than what I've ever had in my life, right? And, um, and, and, and she really encouraged me to do it, right? She said, man, j- just do it, right? You're gonna find a way to make the payment. You're gonna find a way to, to, um, to make it happen, right? And, and you, you deserve this. Mm-hmm. You've worked hard, you drove buckets and scrapers for many years. 
And now where you're at, you need to take this next step um, mentally and physically to um, continue to strive forward. So since then, we've bought, I don't know, maybe four or five cars, maybe five or six cars um, brand new. And so now it's just a thing for us, right? We broke through that ceiling or I broke through that ceiling and now I don't want to um, look back and, and buy anything um, other than. And, and it's not just for it being a brand new car, right? It's all the things that come with a, a newer car, right? Less problems, less things to worry about. I hate seeing people broken down on the side of the road um, in an old car, right? I don't want to have to think about those things anymore. I don't want you know others to have to think about those things anymore. So there's more reasons than just driving a brand new car um, as to why we do it. Now, I, now that you, you are a net worth millionaire, do you still... Do you still um have problems that you run into every day like I know your problems don't change but how do you attack those problems like uh, what's your what's your decision making like when overcoming adversities and obstacles you know how do you tackle those you think about your family first you think about how this will affect your business you know what runs through your your mind even though you have the ability to handle situations how do you attack uh, every adversity or challenge yeah um like you said it, it the problems just change mm-hmm. we still go through have problems we still have adversity we still have failures and things like that um now i think the only way to be successful actually i know the only way to be successful is to continue to take action after you have a failure to continue taking action after you get knocked on your butt to get back up and continue running that race um how i do it now is i'll take a step back for whether it's five minutes or a day or, or two and and analyze it. Think about, okay, you know, what's going on here? What can I do? You know, what's the root of the, the problem or the cause? Um, and, and how can I change this? And, and then um, figure out a plan to take action, right? And I don't need to see the whole picture in order to move forward. As long as I can see the next couple of mm-hmm. steps to overcome the situation, then we'll take those next couple Absolutely. of steps. Um, and just know that it's part of life, right? I think the bigger you fall, uh, the, the higher it is you can get up. And if you can get up, then like, you just tell yourself that I can continue to do this no matter whatever happens in life. Right. Absolutely. Real quick example. I know several friends that are um, that were in that own real estate and or was in the mortgage business back during the last crash. Right. They had Ferraris, Lamborghinis, you know, several homes and just doing real big things during that time. Right. Because money was really easy to come by then. And during the crash, a lot of people, not just those type of people, lost a lot of things or everything. Right. The couple of them that I know now that are up again, um, kept their head on straight during that time. So don't panic, just know that life goes on and, um, and eventually things are gonna come back. So just try to keep your head on straight. The weight of the world may be on you, but it's not gonna be on you forever, mm-hmm. right? You can get through it. And so mindset is definitely strong and those guys are, are doing it bigger now than they were before, yet a little bit more cautious and a little bit more reserved. Um, and, um, and and doing it in a, in the right way, I would say. Speaking on mindset, uh, how do you how do you constantly uh, not change your mindset, but how do you form new opinions in your in your mind? Is it certain material that you're putting into that you're listening to, reading? Like, how do you go from having a negative outlook to a more positive outlook? I saw before we did the interview, you you, you were doing some breathing thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so what techniques? Can people who are new to mindset or personal development that are just simple, 
what techniques can they practice that may help them just breathe a little bit better or think a little bit clearer mm -hmm. when having when going through tough times? Yeah. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audio books. I listen to um, people that are smarter than me, brighter than me, or doing things that I um, would like to do or achieve, right? And again, I wasn't always like this. It started with Tony Robbins. I would definitely look up Tony Robbins, mm -hmm. um, dive into his stuff. Um, even before that, before there was a, a a stigma, I guess, around personal development, mm -hmm. people people would would kind of laugh at you or make fun of you if you wanted to better your life or learn how your brain worked or something something like that. I remember there was that at that time, um, but I don't know. Tony Robbins is such a such a powerful dude, and what he's been through in his life to where he is now is remarkable. So listen to Tony Robbins' story because that's inspirational in itself. Mm -hmm. And then what he does for millions of people around the world right now is is huge, is life changing. Um, so reading, audiobooks, um, podcasts, um, YouTube, um, that stuff, and learning how to adjust your mind, change your your thoughts, um, would definitely take you a long ways. Uh, the breathing exercise that I was doing, I was just trying to calm myself down because I'm really excited to be here. So I'm just trying to calm my mind down so I can speak clearly, think clearly, and get my thoughts out. Because sometimes I get all a little mumbo jumbled and I'll start stump or stuttering and things like that. So I just do a simple technique that I learned. Actually, I learned this from Tony Robbins um, in one of his seminars. I went to a seminar in 2018 in San Jose. Um, that was my second time seeing him in person. First time I seen him was in 2003, um, I believe. Actually, 2003, right before, yeah. So it's just simple. Breathe in and out of your nose. I do it, you can do it 40 to 50 times um, as, you don't have to do it fast, but I like to do it fast. So, um, <laughs> kind of like you're blowing your uh -huh. nose, just inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And I just do that, do that, do that, do that. And um, sometimes you kind of get a little head change, mm -hmm. right? You kind of get a little lightheaded. Um, so maybe sit down when you're doing it. And then I throw the arms in there too, just as a rhythm, mm -hmm. right? And then as I'm doing that, I'm also thinking of, I'm grabbing good, I'm, I'm grabbing good and letting go of bad. Like I'm pushing bad up and then I'm grabbing good to bring it down. And then after I get to the 50, you exhale completely, completely out. And you just hold your breath and count to 15, 15 seconds. And I just sit there. I usually put my hands like this because then you can start to feel the energy mm -hmm. in your body and your hands. And I just imagine that there's some power right here um, within my hands. And then and um, hold my breath for 15 seconds. Your mind will start to tell you, oh, you got to breathe, you got to breathe, you got to breathe, right? Just try to hold it as long as you can. And then take a deep breath in and then hold that for 15 seconds. And when I do that, then I bring all this, this energy that I believe I have right here, and I kind of just put it on me. Mm. And I just feel, feel my heartbeat, feel my breathing, right? Um, and then I just exhale. Mm. I don't, not breathing during that time, but you know, then I just exhale, and then just sit there, take a couple of regular, normal breaths, and I'll do it again. And every morning I do that two or three times. Um, it takes only a couple of minutes to do that, or I do it before you know big moments mm -hmm. like this, or before I'm about to go into an appointment, or giving a speech, or you know whatever it is, just to kind of get centered again, mm -hmm. get that good energy from the earth, and and bring it here. Absolutely, that was powerful. That was that was powerful. Yeah. I, when I seen you do it, I was like, "What is he doing?" I kind of want to try it. Don't know what he's doing. And it's free too, right? It's free. I don't have right? to. I don't have to have an energy drink to get all amped mm -hmm. up or anything, or you know, uh, shoot something or not sh shoot something or smoke mm -hmm. something to get there. You know, not saying that you know isn't isn't good yeah. every now and then. Not shooting up, but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, it just yeah, it's free. You can do it at any moment, mm -hmm. no matter where you're at. 
That was great, man. Uh, can you share an element of how you were raised and how that impacts your life today? An aspect of your story that may surprise people. Um, an element of how I was raised. What do you mean by that? Or Was, was there a certain, uh, like what, were your parents, did they raise you a certain way that really impacted how you are today as a father, as a man? Because even in some of the conversations we, we've had, like I felt like, you know, like a big brother feeling from you. And I feel like a lot of people may get that from you, but it's a special feeling, you know, coming from another black man, because I was raised in a single, with a single parent. Same. So then, you know, coming to Fresno, starting selling real estate and looking for people that I can model myself after. And luckily I was at KW and then there was a, a young black man who was doing it. And I was like, man, you know, this is, it really inspired me to not only get out of my comfort zone because selling real estate, you know, as a person of color, as anybody can be difficult, yeah. challenging, nerve, like feeling of nervousness, like Heck you yeah. don't belong there. So yeah. just having you, you to be there, you know, as I was so early on on my journey, kind of helped raise me in real estate just by seeing your actions, some of the conversations that I know we've had yeah. where you're like, Katie, you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say yeah, like, yeah. Just think about it. And I take those conversations really to heart because they really have molded and shaped me as a young professional. And I wonder, like, man, there must have been some great people or mentors in Darren's life that allowed him to grasp this knowledge and information and then spread that to other people. Yeah. And so, yeah, so my mom was a single mom most of my life. Uh, my dad lived in the Bay Area. And so I would go visit him from time to time in summertime and things like that. So I got a lot of the, my love and caring, I would say, from my mom. Um, so that's one area of my life that was shaped from there. Um, again, growing up on the west side, growing up on the east side, um, seeing those guys um, hustle and do things and be motivated and, you know, um, waking up every day and going to get it, right? Whatever their hustle was, going to get it. Um, I believe that's in me as well, and that's why I'm so driven and motivated to just continue to achieve and do more and do more and do more. What, what took you away from, like, being in that environment? Like, what made you think that there's so much more out there for you? Like, you could have became a product of your environment. Why not? Sure can. I could have, yeah. Um, I, I think it was... Um, Probably my mom. My mom kept me just outside of that, even though my friends were, were there right in the neighborhoods. Um, but where we lived, I guess my mom, I don't know if she knew or what, but we just lived right outside of that. Um, so I didn't grow up in it directly, but I would be over there all the time hanging out. Um, um, I forgot. I forgot what you said there. Uh, the question uh, completely, but that, that, that's why kind of not, how. Like choose that life. Why not choose that lifestyle when it's all around you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that was wise. And then um, also, what I was going to say was moving to LA really opened mm -hmm. up my mind, and I really I seen how that a lot you, more. You moved to LA. I moved to LA when I was eight. 19 years old. I graduated high school at 17, went to Fresno State for a year and a half. So I was probably 19 years old mm -hmm. when I was in LA. So I was young out there, just had a, a friend out there. Um, I had a cousin in LA, LA. I was living in Orange County at that time. Um, and yeah, so just being out there, seeing people do bigger things yeah. was just really eye-opening to me. And then around that time, I think YouTube was, was coming out or was out. And so then, and internet obviously was around too. And so now you can see people all over the world and, um, and, and, and follow them. 
to continue to get the inspiration uh, from them, Absolutely. no matter where they are. So it's easier for us nowadays to find a tribe of people mm-hmm. um, that you want to uh, fill your head with, fill your mind with, fill your yeah. Th- that will then affect your thoughts and what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, you've heard the saying, "You are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with," right? And I also say, "You're the sum of the five people, uh, the five people that you listen to the most," right? Whether Absolutely. it's podcasts, YouTube, um, the radio, right? It, it's sad to see people that are still in the same mindset because they still listen to the same music mm-hmm. from back then, right? When they were growing up, when they were doing the the the, the dirt um, back then. And so they're still in that same mindset. Yes, it's cool to go back to the music from time to time and vibe out mm-hmm. and reminisce and things like that. But if, if that's all you've listened to, then that music or that um, person or those people um, are gonna keep you at that same level. So consistently finding um, new people to to level up. Now, transition a little bit to the networking aspect of it. How do you how do you network as a young professional? How do you network efficiently as a young professional? Because I get this all the time in my Instagram DMs is, you know, how can I find new opportunities or put myself out there more? Like, what are ways that people can do to just put themselves out there, be more more vulnerable so that they can actually learn how to receive, you know, the gifts that the world has for them? Yeah, um, man, networking. Networking is is super important. Um, I would say, so you said you use the word professional a couple of times, right? I wasn't always dressed like this and I went to a listen appointment today, so that's why I was a little bit more dapper than I normally am. Um, I'm usually a little bit more casual, right? I used to sag back in the day. Um, actually, I didn't sag too much. I take that back. I didn't sag too much. For some reason, sagging never made sense to me. It's like, why you want to show your butt, you know? But, you know, homies did and it is whatever. Um, but being professional, like dressing too the the people that you're going to go meet right and so i i for some reason i don't know how but um when i was in high school i remember considering myself a chameleon mm-hmm. right because I, I would um be able to go talk to a few different groups of people and, and blend in with them right and still to this day like we wasn't on camera um well you don't talk like this anyway but if i was talking to one of my homeboys like i would talk like one of my homeboys uh-huh. like a little bit like uh, more professional or clear or whatever i am now mm-hmm. but um you know but i but you talk to the audience how you Absolutely. um you, you know you have to communicate um kind of you- at their level but a little mm-hmm. bit above so that way they can know that hey you can change your conversations as well. Absolutely. How do you how do you do exactly what you said while still maintaining the authenticity of who you are? Yeah, good I question. know a lot of times people, you know, you you go somewhere and you act a certain way and the environment just may not be ready for that and so you mm-hmm. get called certain names or why do you act like this and yeah. it's like man this is who i am yeah but so how do you how do you do that around people you grew up with and remain authentic and then also understand like you know this is who darren is yeah man i, I so i stopped caring and, and it, it wasn't until recently when i stopped caring because mm-hmm. i always had there's there's one of my friends uh love him to death but i've always heard his voice because he was a, like a class clown um in a good way um, but i would always hear him like making fun of just everything right because he was a class clown he was a comedian and so he would make fun of any and everything and so if I did something even outside of like not near him but just posted something on Facebook right 
point where I know he would see it. I would always hear his voice in my head saying something like, oh, man, you ain't that. Or you need to chill out, man. That ain't you. Yada, yada, yada. Um, but after a while, I just trained myself to stop hearing that voice in my head. And so I, I don't I don't listen to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. When I go into places now, when I am the only person of color, um, I'm proud when I'm there because I know I'm there and I and um, and I belong there. Right. And I want I want the people in there to know that, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't walk around with my chest out or anything like that. But I walk around like like I'm just another normal mm-hmm. human being. Right. And um, and I don't know, that's reciprocated very well. Um, I don't know if it was always like that, uh-huh. but just now, you know, having a name and whatever, it's, it's different to get a different vibe. Um, and I also want to pave the way for others Absolutely. that want to, you know, be in those same rooms with the same type of people that haven't been around a lot of people like us um, to be OK with that. Absolutely. Right? I know for me, like just. Even being here in this moment with you, everybody who's here in this room, starting the podcast was such a huge thing for me because I recognize how fortunate I am to be in the position I am as a young man. And so I want the people who may look up to me or the people in my community to really find value and and the people in our community and know that there are resources and mentors and find inspiration from ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, just having this platform to be able to highlight you and your experiences as a man and overcoming the fear to get to this point, the fear of what will my friends think? What will the mm-hmm. media think? And mm-hmm. just coming to a place of, you know, I don't give a shit. The mm-hmm. world, my community deserves to hear these people's stories. And yeah. if I don't do it, then I'm actually doing my community, myself, the people around me a disservice. Yes. So learning how to, you know, come from a place of they're giving me value, the community value, and really be intentional about, you know, who we bring on or the conversations we have so we can really spark growth and development and young entrepreneurs' uh, minds. Definitely, it's the reason why I wanted to bring you on because I knew your experiences I can relate to as an individual, as an entrepreneur. But uh, a few more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, about entrepreneur, about entrepreneurship. Uh, what's a failure that maybe you've experienced in life or your business that you think that many are headed for? You know, given the current conditions and in, in the world, the market, mm-hmm. uh, what's something that you that you often see that you're like, uh, you know, I I maybe do that differently, or do you like yeah. people to have their own experiences? to learn from that themselves. Yeah, I would say everybody's gonna have a a different journey, a different path. And um, I don't know how to answer that, but I will say whatever it is on your path that you're experiencing, whatever the failure is, continue to go through it, right? Don't allow it to break you, bend with it, Mm. right? And then just keep going because the days will be sunny again, right? There's always a a sun after the storm, right? and yeah, so I don't know. So everybody's going to have their own experiences. I would say fail faster, Absolutely. right? Fail, fail forward faster because that's going to help you. That's going to give you the callus um, to be somewhat immune to it, right? Um, uh, say more of what you want to say because that's going to help you have thicker skin when somebody says something back to you, mm-hmm. right? Go do things that are uncomfortable because the more you do it, um, the more comfortable you're going to be to do uncomfortable things, right? I remember in high school, yellow was my favorite color because I said I had a bright personality. So yellow is a bright-ass color, right? And so I remember I had the Jordans that was yellow. My very first pair of Jordans, they were yellow. 
and that's where yellow shirts and things like that. Um, and and I remember, and again, I, I used to wear like. Cause matching, right? Matching like like black and black pants, mm-hmm. black shirt, black pants, something like that, right? And or I would wear stuff that made me uncomfortable to wear it, not really knowing what it was doing to mm-hmm. me. But I knew I wanted to wear it because I kind of wanted to break the mode a little bit, and I wanted to be okay with it being okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? You see what I'm saying? And so I don't know. Color coordinating was a thing back then, and um, and I remember. Purposely not coordinate, coordinate, not completely off where I'm like, oh, look at this fool, you know, uh, looking like a clown or something like that. But um, but just not perfect, you know, this mm-hmm. and that or blue and blue or black and black or whatever it was, how we was uh, matching back then. And so I remember doing that. Um, but I kept doing that. And now I'm not as uncomfortable when I do it nowadays. Absolutely. Right. It just it just is what it is. Right. And nobody can tell me anything. Right. Because you don't know me. You don't know my life. Mm-hmm. You don't know who I am. Right? You know what I got. You know, you know what I'm saying? So like I don't, you don't really care as much anymore about other people's opinions. So Absolutely. stop caring about other people's opinions at some point. Don't how worry you about your own. point of stop caring practice 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 continue to tell yourself that what they what they think what they're saying what they're you know what they do Mm -hmm. towards you it doesn't really matter right it shouldn't matter it may feel like that up up front or early on but if you keep practicing and telling yourself man that don't matter you know forget that i'm gonna continue to do what i'm gonna do right because on the other side of this uncomfortable feeling or on the other side of that bad comment or the other side of whatever it is is your greatness right you gotta you gotta continue to break through that and it, it literally takes practice there's always something that i tell myself i repeat it to myself constantly i tell myself what's on the other side of fear opportunity So every time I'm afraid, I kind of think about the opportunity that I, I might miss out on for myself, my family, just because I'm afraid to take the next step. So I'm always grateful for people who push me to move forward because they're pushing me out of that comfort zone yes. or out of that place of fear and driving me towards more opportunity. And I may not feel it in that moment, yeah. but you know, as time goes on, you're like, man, if I, if I was afraid and didn't take that step, you know, imagine what things would be like. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it was the, the ounce of regret or ounce of regret is, 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 uh, thing it's something about a pound of something else. I forget what the saying goes, right? Like basically, um, don't regret not doing something. Mm-hmm. Do it um, so that way you know what the outcome Absolutely. is, as opposed to not doing it, right? So the the, the, the regret of not doing something is um, weighs more than the the reaction that you'll get from taking the action. Um, it's something else I want to uh, chime in on. Um, for the voice in our heads, mm-hmm. right? Um, I heard this on a podcast recently. So the gal, Lisa Bilyeu, um, Tom Bilyeu's wife um, from Impact Theory mm-hmm. was on Ed Milet's podcast. And she said she made the, the voice in her head her friend, right? She's like, okay, okay. She, that's how she kind of talks. She said, okay, well, so you said I can't get on here and talk on this podcast. So why can't I get on here and talk on this podcast, right? And then so, and so that was her, her bitch talking. She, her, her asking the bitch in her head or the friend in her head, why can't she do it? And then, and then the, the bitch or the friend would give her the answer. She said, okay, you know, because you don't have an intro, you don't have an outro, right? Okay, well, shit, I'll go work on my intro and my outro, right? Thank you very much, right? And then uh, why can't I do this or that? Right. And then your mind would tell you, you know, why you can't do it um, for whatever reason. And so, okay, well, thank you very much for that. I didn't think about that. Let me go work on that. Let me go practice that. Let me go do that. Right. So now then you just continue to polish yourself and improve your skills. And then you can go out there and do what your mind thought was a limiting belief. 
right? Our minds can be our friends, or our minds can be our enemies. And then that doesn't change. Listen to that podcast. That doesn't change no matter how confident you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter what it is, you're always going to have uh, the, the angel and the devil yeah. on your shoulders telling you different things. And so you just need to know what voice to listen to and or how to listen to the negative voice to make it a positive Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? What makes me feel inspired or my best self? Man. Um, hmm. Well, I don't know. Well, feeling my best self is, um, I don't know, I would say, well, well giving love and, 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 and getting love or, or, or seeing what my love or my contributions are doing um, and making an impact on somebody, changing somebody's life, however that is, um, makes me feel really, really good. Like for homeownership or back to real estate, for having like for a person that comes to us not believing they can buy a home and then us helping them guiding them through the credit repair mm-hmm. through the paying off certain credit cards through the getting rid of this and that debt or the student loan or whatever it is right to six months or a year or two years down the line being able to buy a home for their family a well-deserving family right that's been in a two-bedroom one-bathroom mm-hmm. apartment or something for many years to be able to buy a three or four-bedroom home like Seeing somebody come from that to the, to mm-hmm. to where they're at now, it really makes me feel really fucking good um, to see that. And yeah. back to real estate, uh, how many? Just give give the audience some statistics about your real estate team because I know you guys are on fire. So we definitely want to highlight some of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so give give us some stats. You know, how many homes have you guys sold uh, as a real estate team? Yeah, so last year we sold 144. We helped 144 families, is how I like to say it, right? We made it. We made a difference in 144 families' lives, um, and that is in the top 0.5 percent of our MLS. Um, there's only probably one or two uh, teams that do more than that. Um, we're usually in the top 10 out of 4,000 agents. Um, as far as um, units sold or families helped. Um, not always the highest in volume, and that's because we don't have the, um, our, our clientele, people that know us like us trust us aren't the, the higher volume yet, right? But we are moving that way. And the reason why I bring that up or say it like that is because the people that we help first early on in our careers are people that know us like us and trust us, and it's usually the people from your neighborhoods, your family, your friends, and things like that. So wherever you grew up at, that's probably the the level of of, of homes um, or the, the people that you're going to help in those type of neighborhoods, right? And so if those are $200,000 neighborhoods, which is on the lower end here, that's where you're going to start off. And then as you continue to progress and help that person buy a $200,000 home, a couple years later, they're selling that home for $300,000 and then buying a, maybe a $400,000 or $500,000 home, right? Now you're um, getting exposed to other neighborhoods and you're going to meet other people at those other um, homes in one way or another, right? And then people will start to see, oh, now they're selling these type of homes. And then so people will contact you to, hey, come sell our home in this area as well, yada, yada, yada. So we've been on an upward trajectory mm-hmm. on that. What, um, what are you doing currently to improve your leadership, like your leadership role, your role as a leader on your team, your role as a leader in your household? Like, you know, how do you continuously improve on being a better businessman, better better father, better community man? 
Yeah, so podcasts, and then we go to a lot of um, events in person mm-hmm. or online on Zoom or whatever it is nowadays. So maybe shoot 10 times a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe 10 times a year or so we are on something learning something and continuing to try to level up our skills especially in leadership because i wasn't a born leader really yeah i was a, a follower and i don't i still don't think I, i'm a leader in, in work in progress right um yes i'm the leader of our team cam's uh the 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 main decision maker on the back end um uh, but yeah, I, I haven't always been been like this, right? I've just grown into this person that I am um, here today, and I've done that just through trainings. I, I'm willing to pay money to go to trainings to get in proximity with those that know more, that have done more, that have already traveled the path that I have traveled, and um, that I can learn from, right? Because I know one to three to ten nuggets from that conference or from that training, from that seminar, mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to apply that in my life and um, become a better man, a better husband, a better business owner, a better entrepreneur, a better investor, a uh, better retail agent from that. To some of the people who may be on the fence about uh, paid training, you know, is there some advice that you can give them to get over that? I think it's a fear. Uh, maybe they just don't have the money to pay for it or they don't feel comfortable. What's mm-hmm. some advice that you can give to, to people? You shared a few good nuggets uh, before of the access that paying for training like allows you to, to have, you know? Yeah. How has that changed? How has paid training changed your, your business or your lifestyle? Yeah, so first of all, yeah, I used to look at paid training as like, that's crazy, right? I would only go to free things. And mm-hmm. shit, start off at free things, right? Go to what's free. Um, but then after that, to get into the more high level um, conversations mm-hmm. or to the more specific things that you want to grow on or grow within, um, you may have to pay for that. So I see that as an investment in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Investing in yourself is one of the best places where you can invest. It's not necessarily real estate. It's not necessarily into um, something else. Um, But investing in yourself first is definitely the best place where you can invest Mm -hmm. to improve your skills, improve your communication, improve your mindset, improve your thought process, improve, um, you know, whatever it is that you know that you're lacking or you feel like you're lacking. Um, going to one of those paid seminars or paid um, trainings or events um, would definitely help you get through that. I would say definitely pay to go like to a Tony Robbins while he is yeah. still. I, I would say this dude's been in his prime for a long ass time, and the tickets for like the general admission aren't expensive. I want to say maybe 500 bucks or something like that to be in the building. And I would say go to it and be in the building. They do offer, it may be five to $1,000. That's a cheap ass investment into yourself to come back after those four or five days to feel like you're unstoppable, to feel like you have a lot more confidence, to have more clarity in your mind. Um, he goes over a lot of different things. He has a lot of different high level guest speakers come to these events. They do offer it online as well, but I believe in person is the best way to experience it Absolutely. because you can really feel the energy in the room and it's it's so freaking crazy and I swear either after day one even the first hour and hearing Tony Robbins speak and how powerful he is when he's doing his clapping uh-huh. like you can really feel that and feel the energy and I would say when you go to these things as well go all out participate ask questions no questions is a stupid question um network with the people, talk to the people that are there as well because they're more than likely going to be like-minded either at your level below you or a level or two or whatever it is um, higher than you, right? Change contact information, exchange contact information. 
connect with them afterwards to see how they can help you. Maybe they are a missing piece to the puzzle that you need Absolutely. to solve something in your life, right? Um, maybe real estate investing. Maybe you um, found a deal or an opportunity and that person is a private money lender or that is a contractor or that is um, a seasoned agent or a seasoned real estate investor that will happy to partner with you and take over the deal and you learn while you earn. Oh, yeah, right. Like you know that. what I'm saying? I like that. Right. So they, they, they do all the work. They have the contractors. They have the private money lenders. They have, you know, all that of the processes and things. And while you guys are going through the step by step, they're also teaching you. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't get that in school. Right. You got it. You're, you're paying to go to school and you usually don't get paid. I mean, you probably have a job during that time, but you just don't get paid for that career until after. Um, you get out of school and then you got to go apply, right? But with this example, you can learn and then you earn at the end of the escrow process, which is, you know, 60, 90, 120 days, something like that later, you can get something. Even if you gave up all your equity and you said, hey, investor, you take on this deal because I know it's slim. I just want to learn from you. Yep. What you're learning from that will be more than the than the, um, the money than the money that yep. you're going to earn, right? Because you're going to be able to do that after you learn that. You're going to be able to do what they just did over and over. Because mm-hmm. now you're seeing it um, firsthand, first person, and that is is so valuable. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Simply making a difference and inspiring mm-hmm. others to go after their goals, chase their dreams and uh, make the world a better place. Um, make people smile, make people happy. Um, yeah, give, give people a good feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I, so I said I've been known to do that. And um, yeah, so give people a good feeling. And if you could turn back the clock and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell yourself? Um, I would tell myself to take action faster and sooner than um, than what I did, mm-hmm. right? Fail, fail faster, pretty much. Fail faster because through failure is the only way you're going to get to through success or to success. Period. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, Darren, thank you for being here, man. I really appreciate your time and for you being the first guest on the on the podcast, man. Uh, this was truly a great experience for me. Further, uh, furthering our conversations together from what we normally have, and you know, you sitting here across and giving my audience an opportunity to connect and, and chat with you. Uh, where are some places that the audience can connect with you at? Yeah, so Instagram is probably the easiest way to follow my life, my journey, my personal and business life. Um, is my Instagram handle is dad underscore dad realtor investor. Um, so dad underscore realtor underscore investor. Yeah, and I just added the investor. Well, it's been a couple of years now, right? Because I wanted to be that. And so I was like, after I did one or two flips, I was like, all right, I'm an investor now. So <laughs> let me add that on there, right? But obviously, there's people that's freaking investor level 100. And right. I'm on 10. And before we sign off, uh, are there, can you leave the audience with, with some tips or any podcasts or books that you're currently listening to that are helping, yeah. you know, shape or mold you? Yeah. Um, so some of the podcasts that I listen to, so Bigger Pockets podcast. If you are um, on the investment side or want to become a real estate investor of of any kind, there's all types of investment as well. Not just um, in real estate. You can invest in notes. Mm-hmm. You can do subject to investments. You can do seller finance investments. Um, Bigger Pockets podcast is um, where I would definitely start there. 
um, Bigger Pockets Podcast. Um, Alex Hormozzi. Oh, yeah. Um, is a really smart dude. I think he's only like 32 years old. He went to Vanderbilt or something like that. I just found out recently. Um, he's in, in 10 years of owning and selling businesses. He's done a lot. And he's very sharp. And the way that he explains things is, um, is easy enough for anybody to mm-hmm. understand. Um, so I'll say look up Alex Hormozzi. I think it's H-O-R-M-I. M- or MZI or something like and that. He's got his podcast is called The Game. The Game, yeah, 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 yeah. I just listened to my first episode a few days oh, ago. Oh, really? I've been yeah. binging him a lot. Really? Yeah, that's a, he's a, he's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ed Milet, um, yeah, very confident dude, um, really wealthy as well. Um, and the wealth of knowledge. He came from like Tony Robbins, like um, Dean Graziosi as well. Um, they came from very very broken broken. Um, childhoods and they rose up through that and and those negative situations have only made them who they are today right if they didn't have those negative situations growing up then they wouldn't be where they are today and they attribute um, their success to that right so no matter where you are in life no matter what you're what you've been through Right, having heroin addict uh, parents, or you know, digging in the trash can, or being poor, right? That that shouldn't define of who you can be now or in the future. You just have to grow and build towards it. Absolutely. Well, Darren, thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to growing in my own career as an entrepreneur with you, alongside you, and everything you guys got going. It's truly a blessing for you to be here with me on my show for the first episode. So thank you. Happy really to be here. Really appreciate you, man. Right on, man. Yeah, I'm happy to be you. here. Thank yep. you. Yep.